We are going on tour. The Glamorous Trash Podcast and my book tour have collabed and we're coming to a city near you. Click the link in the show notes to to get all of the deets. We're coming to New York City. On June 4th, we are kicking off an event with Jon Stewart. No big deal. That's our very first show in New York City. Then we're coming to Washington, D.C., Nashville, Chicago, Santa Fe, Albuquerque, Seattle, Portland, and Los Angeles. So get your tickets now. We are doing three different events because, you know, I'm always doing the most. That's just on brand, right? First, there's a glamorous trash party. It's the podcast meets the book tour meets Coachella, a live show featuring podcast segments, book segments, a very special guest. And of course, there's a runway walk at the end for people to show off their fits because the dress code to every event is obviously glamorous trash. We are also doing a cookie country club. It's the anti-country club country club. And it's very dreamy. You get like a bunch of products. There's little events. And it's a more intimate event where you meet other cookies and listen to a book chat with what me and another special guest. And then the final event, the Behind the Bangs Writing Workshop. I finally did it, put it together, put together this workshop because I wrote this book in many ways for younger me. And younger me would not have gotten off her couch unless there was also a workshop being taught. I wanted the gyms. I wanted I wanted the knowledge. I wanted the education. That's what I would have wanted. So I've decided I'm doing it. And in the workshop is going to be the six writing gyms that took me forever to learn. 15 years. In my 15-year career as a TV writer and author and blah, 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 all the other things I've written, there are six things that I always use, and all of those are in this workshop. So if you have an interest in writing, sign up. All the ticket links are live today. Click the show notes. Click my Instagram. We are coming to a city near you, and there's going to be some meet and greets. I'll sign some copies of books. We'll give out more books, and I have uh, some pieces of merch that I'm taking on the road, and I'm going to give them out at the shows. Welcome to a very special episode of Celebrity Book Club. This is a bonus episode coming out on New Year's Eve, genuinely my favorite holiday. I love this holiday. This episode won't be our normal flavor of episode, but it is a very important episode because I have an important book club announcement, which I will get to. Later in the episode, after the break, we're going to hear from Gina Yashere, a hilarious comedian, um, a showrunner, show creator, about her memoir, Cat Candid. I got to talk to her face-to-face about it, and we recapped some of the stories and discussed all kinds of things, and she's super funny. It's wonderful. But first, I'm going to take you through 10 of my highlights from the year 2021 slash time isn't real, time is a blur. What is time? Is time real anymore? I'm taking you through 10 highlights from recently. Okay, here we go. Highlight number one is obviously this podcast. This podcast is highlight number one for me. And here's my big announcement. So as you guys know, I have really pushed myself to own my shit on this podcast. And I... Uh, If you've listened to all the episodes, (laughs) I have. I have been on a journey. And now after really over a year having this podcast with this network and coming, I came up with this podcast two years ago um, in a hot tub. That is true. I was on a girl's trip in a hot tub reading Jessica Simpson's book and, uh, and the podcast was born. So I've been doing this for a long time. And I've come to the conclusion that it is time for me to more than just emotionally own my shit. It is time for me to actually own my shit. 
like for reals, reals own this podcast, which means I'm taking it independent and we're going over to Patreon. Now, before I explain what that means, let me first say, nothing will change in how you get this podcast. That was super important to me. So we have made it so that the podcasts are going to keep dropping in your app, just like normal. Nothing for you will change except for me, the way I'm making it is that I get to be in control now. No network middlemen, no husbanders, just me, just the cookies. I can do more of what this community wants. And to make that possible, we have a new producer. But to pay for our new producer and our whole new independent setup, I have started a Patreon, which is where you can show support for the podcast. And what's more is that I have added a ton of perks that will now only be for cookie patrons. So if you go to patreon.com slash Chelsea Devantes, it's just my name. It's also linked in the show notes and on my Instagram and you sign up and become a cookie patron. Cookie patrons are going to get one extra bonus episode a month. That is only for them. There's also going to be tons of other stuff. If you go to patreon.com, you will see all the perks that I've listed. There's also a pay what you can option. There's some hardcore options for people who want to do real book clubs with me. We're making wild merch. I'm going to be doing book giveaways of my own books. I'm going to send some to some people. So much cool stuff only for the cookie patrons. So go to patreon.com slash Chelsea Devantes. Once we have made our full move, that will be the end of January. So at the end of January, I am no longer with Stitcher and I'm with myself, Chelsea Devontes. <laughs> and um, and that's when like the full switch will happen. And uh, if you guys want to hear more about what inspired this, come find me on the Patreon. I will tell you everything, uh, but I'm thrilled for it. And with that, I have way better highlights coming. So let's get to the next highlight. Okay, highlight number two. Rue McClanahan's ghostwriter, Joni Rogers, sent me an email and I'm going to read it. Uh, she listened to the episode and the email is so delightful. Here it is. Hi, Chelsea. I just impulsively messaged you on Insta to say how much I loved your discussion of Rue McClanahan's My First Five Husbands. I'm the ghostwriter who worked with her and it blew my mind how you and Sophia processed the same issues Rue and I spent hours talking about. It's a brilliant discussion. She was always such a spectacular person. I loved her dearly and still miss her like hell. She died while we were working on adapting this book for a stage show, which would have been insanely great. Anyway, Rue would have loved this discussion. I'm thrilled you brought it out of the old stacks. Peace and grooviness, Joni Rogers. P.S. Margaret Thatcher didn't say the dick thing. That was a joke. Rue used to send me hilarious letters signed Henry Kissinger, Richard Nixon, etc., in a box with a fake leopard coat or hat or some other bizarre thing from her closet. Smiley face. Okay, first off, that it meant so. I was so um, overjoyed when I read this email, but reading it out loud uh, just made me weepy. Um, you can like hear their friendship, and you can hear about Rue and. I wish the book could still be a stage show. I hope it can be. I'm putting it out there. I'm putting it out there in the universe right now. And Joni sounds so cool at like her and Rue, like going over the book. Um, and <laughs> Henry Kissinger comes up on this podcast all the time. It is so fucking crazy. This is a celebrity memoir podcast and Henry Kissinger is all over it. Um, I am la I'm laughing so hard at the beginning of that podcast episode. Sophia and I are going back and forth on like why Margaret Thatcher said this dick thing and when. <laughs> and, and it was a joke, which like, I think like had we grown up with Margaret Thatcher in the news, it maybe would have been way more obvious. To, I mean, we knew it was weird she said it, but it should have been clear it was a joke. Joni, thank you so much. And um, 
And wow, I'm, I'm, I, that actually made me weepy. Um, love you, Joni. Love you, Rue. Okay, highlight number three from 2021. You guys, I got engaged this year. Uh, Yasser and I are, are engaged and we've been engaged for a while. We kept it to ourselves for a long time because we are online a lot. He's also a comedian and we really wanted to keep it to ourselves and enjoy it privately, um, which we did for most of the year. And then, uh, and then finally, you know, we told everyone and it was, it was like the best way to do it. I was going to share this news on the podcast when Yasser came on as the guest for the Lil Kim memoir. And then Lil Kim pushed her published date to next year. So (laughs) the episode was supposed to happen in November. It couldn't happen. There's no book yet, but when her book does come out, he will come on the podcast. So anyways, being engaged has been wonderful. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously uh, deeply obsessed with Yasser. I love him so much. And um, now that we're kind of, I've shared the news, I can tell you that in the Rue McClanahan episode, I described a story of going to buy a gown and having this small voice in the back of my head, Rue's voice, saying to me, don't say yes, just say you'll think about it, about buying this gown. Uh, and instead I bought it. Well, that gown was a wedding dress. <laughs> and then I had to try uh, and return a wedding dress because I woke up the next day and was like, I don't want this. Um, there's a whole long story, but I've been planning a wedding. And oddly enough, I have been loving it. I did not see me enjoying wedding planning coming, but I'm loving it. Um, I'm the head writer at the John Stewart Show. And so my day job is a lot of news and politics and really dense, important, sometimes extremely sad information. Uh, so weirdly coming home and looking at uh, cakes and dresses and colors of flowers has been a very soothing brain break and I've been loving it. But the wedding industrial complex is so stupid. <laughs> I cannot believe how stupid this stuff is and and the prices. And I've been making fun of it quite a bit on my Instagram and the cookies have been helping me choose a wedding dress. So far, I've been to 10 stores and I still have not found one, including uh, the one that I did eventually return. Okay, highlight number four. CBD bath bombs. Uh, And for the really hard days, the bath bombs with THC in them. Uh, Particularly, you can order uh, THC bath bombs for sports athletes. Uh, Wow. What a bath, you guys. This is not sponsored. I I just want to spread the good word. Highlight number five. I got to make my dream episode of television this year. I, I really, I did not think I was going to get to make a late night TV episode about the topic of domestic violence. And we did on The Problem with Jon Stewart. You can see the episode on Apple and you can hear John and I talking about it on his podcast, The Problem with Jon Stewart podcast. But aside from the topic meaning a lot to me and it was like a really uh, intense is like not even enough of a word. It was a very intense time creating the episode, which I'm, it's one of the things I'm most proud of doing in my life. But all of it was through the lens of gun violence and how this is an actual statistic. 60% of mass shooters have a history of domestic violence. And there is a law on the books saying domestic violence offenders cannot have guns. We just don't enforce that law successfully enough. But if we did and the loopholes were closed, we could potentially affect 60% of gun deaths and even more incidents from gun violence and domestic violence 
So all that to say, uh, this episode meant a lot to me. I really like sharing that information so that it you know, can get out there. It's just a real solution on the table, which I find is something uh, that is like, a, you know, it's an antidote to anxiety. Okay, highlight number six. Taco Bell potato tacos came back. They were gone for a bit. It was, it was rough and they're back now. Highlight number seven. Um, I have so many books coming in. Uh, I have so, so many books that are headed for the podcast that I'm really excited to read. So I am recording this before Christmas, but over Christmas on Instagram, I will be covering, I think, Shirley MacLaine's book and uh, and Kathy Griffin's. But books that are still headed to the podcast, uh, Lil Kim, obviously, Viola Davis, Alexandra Billings, their books are coming out this spring. Ellen Burstein, there. Oh, so maybe some Bachelor books. Ricky Lake might be coming on here. Erica Jane. Our guest for Erica Jane is so good, but oh God, you guys, if you follow The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Erica Jane, I mean, there's a court case. It's devastating. I'm not sure I'm ready to read her memoir before all that. Um, also, I just want to state on the record for anyone who does watch Real Housewives, there are ski resorts two and a half hours away from LA. Snow is possible. It's weird that everyone's pretending it's not. Not to say that that is actually a defense of her. Oh God, the layers. Uh, are we ready for her book? I don't know. I need to hear from you guys. Um, but I'm really excited about the books coming out this spring. That's, I guess that's technically a highlight for 2022, but whatever. I already put it in my list. Highlight number eight. I, I find this is a personal highlight. I finally tried laser hair removal. Um, yeah. So this is something I've dreamt of for a long time. You guys, it was a real dream and I finally have that TV money. So I said, first things first, give me laser hair removal. Um, to give you guys an idea of what I'm dealing with. And yes, this is, this is TMI. I don't know. Maybe, maybe just fast forward to Gina right now, but one time, so just a few anecdotes. One time, a woman interrupted my bikini wax appointment to ask if I was okay. <laughs> One time, I went to get a bikini wax, and the woman uh, pretty politely asked me to never come back. And one time my friend went with me and was like in the lobby and was like, um, that was a, that I, the, the screams coming from the room. So you guys, I said, this is my year. I'm going to get laser hair removal, uh, not bikini wax, but I was, I'm going to get it on my lady stash, my mustache, which is my daily burden. Uh, but here's the thing, you guys, I have now gotten three, three treatments and there is literally no difference. So I guess this highlight is edging on a low light, but I still have hope. They say it takes a few times. I mean, how many fucking times can it take? But whatever. At least now when people say to me, like uh, the, the woman I used to go to wax my stash was like, you should try laser hair removal. And I would always be like, yeah, but it, like you're literally saying like, I don't want you to come in here. Go away. But now I can say I did. I did try it. Um, and, and this is a journey only for the podcast. <laughs> okay. Highlight number nine. I don't know if you guys remember this, but on the Casey Wilson episode, I was talking about trying to find a chair that fits needy quarantine dog, who is not just the highlight of 2021, but of my whole life. Cookies sent in links. I was going to buy these office chairs. And then I showed up to my new office in New York city and they had these huge wide chairs that one of the cookies had literally sent me. So when we were filming our producer's room for the actual TV show, 
needy quarantine dog would sit with me as we filmed. And now he's on TV. He is all over our episodes. There's close-ups of him. Um, And sometimes he switches my chair to go sit in John's chair. And there's the most cutest picture I've ever seen where he is literally sitting in the chair and won't let John sit down. John has to like sit on the edge. Um, And I get why people become stage moms because wow, wow, was I proud to see my dog on TV. (laughs) Oh boy. My, oh, if 22 year old me could hear the dog mom I've become, she'd be, she'd be sad. Okay. Highlight number 10. Will this be the moment I cry on this podcast episode? I already kind of teared up earlier. Um, but highlight number 10. This is one of the biggest highlights of not only my year, but definitely my life. Um, and as you guys may know, I what this podcast really helped me share um, about my life, which is something I had actually uh, really, really struggled with. And my, my therapist actually reminded me of 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 the first year we spent together where I was just so like ashamed of myself and my life story. And I, I would, I, I could barely get it out to my therapist. And then after that, I was like, there's just no way I can share this. It really felt impossible. And I was just, um, I was just editing the Padma Lakshmi episode, but, but in that episode, which you uh, may have already heard, Padma has this giant scar and she thinks it's a thing that's going to ruin her life. And she's not going to be able to be a model because she has this like horrible scar on her arm. And it becomes the thing that actually makes her stand out. And it's the thing that um, helps her become a model. And not to, to compare myself to Padma, but I was just so ashamed of my, my life story. Um, and I'm not gonna, I'm not even saying this like, and I'm not anymore. Like I still really struggle sometimes. Sometimes I think like, oh, someone will say something to me that'll, you know, hit the well of childhood trauma and it'll drown me again or whatever. But, but I'm so much better now. And by sharing my life story, um, I was like ready to, to talk and to write. And because of you guys DMing me all the time, saying the nicest things like I should write a memoir, um, I came up with the idea to take really great book quotes from the books I've read and the quotes other of my guests have said on this podcast that are so genius and make this coffee table book. And I pitched it to my agent and he said, no. <laughs> he said, no, what are you doing? Like, why are you making a coffee table book? You're an actual writer. Don't you want to write about your life? Don't you? I thought you loved memoirs. And I said, yeah, like that's my dream, but I just like can't imagine that's in the realm of, of possibility. Like maybe one day I want to have a book, but like that can't be now, can it? And he said, it depends. <laughs> Show me a book proposal. So because of this podcast, because of you guys, I had the courage to put together a book proposal for the book. I've always wanted to write. I, I, it wasn't that I had to like come up with it. It had just always been in the back of my head and I put it down uh, on paper. It's personal. It's memoir ish. It's funny. It's dark. It's scathing. It's got a touch of revenge and my whole heart is in it. I put everything that I personally always hoped for. Every time I ran to buy a comedian's memoir or an actress's memoir or someone's memoir, I was always, you know, you have all these things you're hoping from a book. And I, and I've gotten so, so much from those books. And I put everything I always wanted in a book into my own and I sold it. (laughs) 
I sold it, you guys. I'm going to write a book. (laughs) And it's because of um, this podcast and you guys. And so many times in the books, I'm like, here's the the thesis of, of the podcast, which is that when someone tells their truth, it gives someone else permission to tell theirs. And that's what these books and your messages did for me. And I hope I can pass it on. There's really not enough words for this, but um, I'm writing a book. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so, I don't even, I don't have the words. I'm so excited, which not to make this a full circle, but it uh, also really influenced the decision to move over to Patreon. It was hard to make the leap. Change is never, I would never choose change. I'm a Taurus, please. Uh, But I made the leap and I'm excited to build the community over there. Okay, now we're going to take a little break. When we come back, my interview with Gina Yashere. Sibling fights are unavoidable. But what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondry's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sydney Battle and Matt Balasai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disintel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. I started this podcast because I have been obsessed with memoirs my entire life. And I can't believe it, but I got to write my own. And it comes out on June 4th, and you can order it right now. The book, you know, I was asked to describe it, and I said, it is an absolutely harrowing, traumatic memoir, but funny. So if that sounds good to you, order it. Let me give you some topics that are in this memoir. A female best friendship breakup. How I got my break into Hollywood. When I found out my dad was not my real dad. The time I dated a magician. Are those last two related? Who's to say? Read the book. Growing up in Utah. Growing up around cults. How I got into therapy. Listen, I could keep going. Each chapter title is a different woman's name in my life. Some are heroes. Some are motherfucking villains, but you know what? A villain and a hero, what are both of those things? A leading role, and we do love women in our leading roles. So pre-order the book, it matters a lot. I linked everywhere that you can buy it in the show notes, but you know, go anywhere. Also, I am reading the audiobook personally. So I'm personally narrating it. So if you like this podcast, get my longest podcast ever. And the audiobook is also available for pre-sale everywhere you get audiobooks. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You are the reason I got to write a memoir. So thank you so, so much. Welcome back. We are talking about a hilarious and amazing memoir. I loved it, titled Cack Handed, published in 2021 from comedian Gina Yashere. And we're talking to a very special guest about it, Gina Yashere herself. Hi, Gina. Hey, how you doing, Chelsea? Thank you so much for coming on. You guys know Gina from so many things. She's a correspondent on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. She has three amazing comedy specials out. I love the one titled Skinny Bitch. She's a writer, an EP, an actor on the show Bob Hart's Abby Shola. And I want to give 
a big shout out to my and our friend, Nate Chetty. He is a writer on that show. I love him so fucking much. Isn't he the best? He's awesome. Oh my God, he's the best. And he pretty much set us up on a book date to discuss (laughs) your book. And I'm so thankful. So thank you, Nate. So Gina, I have so many questions. I'm going to dive right in. First off is what is the moment you knew you were going to write a book? Did you always know? Did it come about late in life? How did it happen? No, I I didn't know I was going to write a book. I've got a very short attention span. And uh, if something takes too long to do, I get bored of it very quickly. So I never... (laughs) Never even considered writing a book. But what happens, Instagram is the perfect medium for me. I love posting short videos and little stories and stuff. And um, on Instagram, there's this hashtag, Throwback Thursdays. And hashtag TBT. So every Thursday, you, you, you throw up an old picture of yourself or whatever. And so what I started doing, I was throwing up old pictures and then doing in the caption, telling the elaborate story behind the picture. And I did that. And every time I did it, people would just go nuts for it. People would go, oh my gosh, we didn't know this about you. We didn't know that you used to build elevators for a living. We didn't know you were an engineer. We didn't know you did this. And people just kept going, we want more, uh, write a book. You should write a book. This, your, your stories are so interesting. You should write a book. And um, I was like, mm-hmm, man, that, that, that's going to happen. But, you know, you never know. <laughs> Thank you, but no. Yeah, I was like, thanks for no thanks. But just in case, I started uh, saving all those Instagram posts into a folder on my phone and going, you know, I had it all filed. And I was like, well, maybe one day when I'm 90, I might be bored and want to write a book. So I had them in the phone. Now, unbeknownst to me, at around the same time, the universe was sort of, coming together to make me write this book. So Michelle Buteau, comedian, um, good friend of mine, she's blowing up right now. She's on everything. Uh, She calls me up one day and she's like, bitch, um, I'm writing a book and my lit agent, my literary agent loves you and he wants to meet up with you about maybe writing a book. So she put me with her lit agent. Also around the same time, uh, Tracy Sherrod, an editor at HarperCollins, had emailed my manager going, I'm a big fan of Gina's. I've watched her specials. I think her comedy's brilliant and I've heard her stories in her stand-up. Would she be interested in writing a book? And I was like, I've never written a book in my life. Um, I, I, you know, uh, I write stand up literally just by doing it on stage and maybe saving it on. I, I've, ne- I've, I don't know if I've got the discipline to write this thing. Oh, you just you do stand up like you have a gym and you speak it out. You never like write it and then I make go up. notes. Like I might go toilet seats, and that'll be, <laughs> and then I'll just go on okay. and talk about it. And then if it works, I record it. And then I'll watch it back and go, oh, that was good. And then I'll, you know, and I've got a very, very good memory so I can learn. I know exactly what I said and what, where the last word. Then I go back and I embellish it the next day. And that's how I've always written. I'm not one of those people that sits and goes, I'm going to write four hours a day. I'm not that person. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm not that person at all. So I, I, I was like, I don't know if I've got the discipline to write a book, but are you paying me? They're like, yeah, you, you, I'll, you'll be getting paid. And I was like, well, then I'm going to write this book. <laughs> so I wrote this proposal, uh, you know, just outlining certain stories in my life and the chronological order. And, and that's what I'm thinking of doing. And then the plan was to sort of hawk it around to various publishers. We sent it to a, uh, various publishers, but Tracy Sherrod, of Harper Collins came back and went, uh, forget these other publishers, we'll take it. That really is the essence of it being faded. Yeah, like every yeah. source in your life was like, you're going to do this. And you're like, I guess. Yeah. The universe was like, because I was like, I don't know if I can write a book. And the universe was like, well, this is going to happen. And this is how I ended yeah. up writing the book, because this is no ghostwriter. I wrote this book myself. So what happened, I was like, we, I got the book deal in sort of early 2018. 
And then later in 2018, I met Chuck Lorre. And from there, I went on to create my, my TV show, Bob Hart's Happy Shola with him. So then that show has taken over my life now. So it's now 2019 and I'm a massive procrastinator. I haven't even started work on the book at this point. Not even started. <laughs> Not even. I'm like, oh yeah. Because they go, oh, you've got, you're going to hand the book in, whatever, end of 2020. Yeah, whatever. do they give you a timeline? Are they like, you have six months? It was over a year. So I was like, ah, we've got time. And I did nothing for months. <laughs> nothing. This was early 2020. And luckily for me, which is the worst sentence you're going to hear, but it was weird. Luckily for me, the pandemic hit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and you suddenly found yourself with the time. (laughs) Exactly. Suddenly, uh, I wasn't going, you know, because even though I was doing the show, I I was still going out and doing, you know, traveling and doing gigs at the weekend and and going and doing my stand-up. So that all ground to a halt. So that income disappeared, but I found myself, you know, we were writing, we finished the show and then the show sort of went into hiatus. But at the end of March, as in we lost the last two episodes of the show because we all got shut down because <laughs> of COVID. Yes, yes, COVID. a hiatus. <laughs> yes, I, a hiatus started a month and a half early. So I had this conversation with my publisher in February, March, the world shut down. And mm. so I had basically the whole of the hiatus. Uh, in between season one and season two of the show. And basically I had, I wrote that book, but uh, yeah, so that's how I wrote the book. It was literally just, I'd write chunks and then I'd go back over it and then read it through and go through and punch it up. And then I'd go back and then I'd put it down for three weeks and go, okay, I'm over this book. And I put it down. And you made, you made the deadline, right? I mean, it it came out and that's so great. I love this story. And I sent in the first draft and it was really good. And then they, they had it for about four weeks and sent me back all the notes. And then I basically went through the book again and, and did the notes. And then the second draft was pretty much it. And yeah, and so I literally wrote the stories out and then went back through the book and sort of punched it up and add my humour in there along the way. So even though some of the stories in the book are very dark, uh, I still try and put inject my humour well, into it. Which is why also I loved it. This podcast knows my favourite memoirs are the dark memoirs and the ones that are funny and dark. I, I mean, I loved it. I loved it. Okay, so I have another question for you. The quote that opens your book is from Cicely Tyson. I want to read it. The moment anyone tries to demean or degrade you in any way, you have to know how great you are. Nobody would bother to beat you down if you were not a threat. So first off, love that quote. Love Cicely. We read her book on this podcast as well. Um, What what brought you to that quote? Uh, Because all my life I have come up a a lot against the, the adversity and a lot of other people always trying to put me down or abuse me because either my sex or my race or whatever, my sexuality later on. And yeah, I noticed that, you know, I had an epiphany, you know, when I first started, you know, in school, it was the same thing. I was abused all the way through school, being a child of African immigrants. Then I left school, became an engineer, and I was the first female engine elevator engineer for Otis. And just so fucking tight. First female engineer and a black woman as well. I got it from all corners, sexism, misogyny, racism. I had it all. And I th- and, and at the time, I didn't know why. I was like, why do these guys hate me so much? And looking back, I go, oh, they were intimidated because I was young and I was smart and I was good. And I came in at the same pay grade that they did because I'd always, yeah. you know, I, I'd come in, I'd, I'd completed my electronics qualifications. I had the qualifications. So they had, I was coming at their same pay grade. So they were intimidated by these are grown men married with kids 
and this 20 year old is coming in on the same. So there was a lot of, uh, you know, envy, intimidation. But being, I didn't know at the time. Yeah, and being threatened and, and yeah. your life choices being better than their yeah, life choices. So they were very and... threatened by me. So I didn't know that at the time. I suffered through it. Then I started doing comedy and found my calling. And I was very good at it very quickly. Within six months of starting comedy, I got on this talent show. And then within a year, I was a regular panelist on a TV show and was selling theatres, very small theatres. We're talking 50, but still, 100 but still. But within a year of comedy, I had people coming to see me. Wow. And I was doing our sets within a year. So I was very good very quickly. And I just, for anyone who doesn't know the comedy world, this is fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> This is crazy. It often takes people a year to get five mediocre minutes and then five years to get a good 15. <laughs> so Because when I started in comedy, I didn't realize that you did the same set over and over again. Every time I did another show, I thought you had to write another set. So every yeah. for the first year of comedy, every show I did was a different set. <laughs> so that's how I <laughs> built up an hour set within a year. Yeah. And it was a pretty good hour. It wasn't, it wasn't a shitty hour. People paid to see yeah. it and enjoyed it and came back and people, and, and the word of mouth spread. So I put a lot of male comedians' um, noses out of joint. Who is this yes. little upstart coming in here and being this good this quickly? And I was, you know, I was confident. I wouldn't say I was cocky, but I was, I'm a very outspoken person. I say what I think. And I was, yeah, they saw me as a cocky little bitch. And so, yeah, there was a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of, uh, what's the word? Uh, vitriol aimed toward, at me. There was a lot of hatred. There was a lot. Of, yeah, I got a, I got it a lot. And yeah, it upset me a lot. And I used to be like, why everywhere I go, why do people hate me? I don't understand it. And that is when yeah. I had an epiphany again. Oh, they did this to me because they're threatened by me. They're, they're threatened yeah. by my talent oh, I'm going to give them something to be fucking threatened about. And so I was, <laughs> from that moment, <clears throat> I was like, oh, I'm going to be the best comic I could possibly be and I'm going to destroy them all. And that was, and then, I, and after that, I didn't care. I was, I became my, you know, I just worked harder and harder to be better than all of them. And yeah, I succeeded and became yes, more successful I was going to say, I love the end of this story because you did. You destroyed them yeah. all. You became, with you just being great. You didn't do anything to them. You just yeah. were way better than I them. I was like, I'm going to savor this hatred like a fine wine. <laughs> because the more they hate me, the, the more that I know that I'm doing great. Okay, I just want to point, I'm going to savor this hatred like a fine oh. wine. I think I'm going to print that out and put it above my desk. <laughs> That is so fucking cool. Um, okay, I have another. I have another question. Um, well, also, I want to point out too. Um, in your book, your grandmother, when she talks about reincarnating, she describes her dream life of how she wants to come back, yeah. and it's and it's you. Like the life she described that she wanted to have is exactly you and exactly your life, and that's why you're like, oh shit, am I my grandma? Oh, I know I am. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I really love that too. Is like like you're living out her dream. Like your life is her dream life, which is like answers to fucking no one, has a male profession, um, doesn't have kids. I just love that. I want to call that out. Okay, so let me ask you, what was 
Or was there any parts of telling your life story where you thought like, this is too hard, I can't include this, or this is so hard, but I'm going to push through it? Yeah, there's certain stories I left out of the book because they were not my stories to tell. So I tried Mm. to keep the focus on my story and the story from my perspective. so certain you know, certain elements of the stories have, le- have been left out in the UK. So like the UK version of the book Wait. hasn't got all the stories that the US but audience has. Someone gets a US copy, they can see a little more tea and shade. Oh, yes, they can. Gina, what if they get a US copy? What are you going to do? <laughs> There's nothing. <laughs> the book is out now. What can they do? But the laws are different. So when the book came out in the UK, the publishers like shit themselves. They're like, listen, you got stuff about your older sister in there. You got stuff about your mom and all that kind of stuff. If they decide that they don't like what you've written in the book, and decide to to take you to court, you're gonna have to pay for all of that until you prove that you and you have to prove that it's all untrue that what you said. And if you can't prove it then this book has to come off the shelves and you're going to lose a lot of money. Wow. Also, like, you have to prove stuff from childhood, like, as if you were keeping detailed notes. Exactly. So they were like, uh, either you get your family to sign documents to say that they've read the book and they approve of what's written in the book, or you have to take out everything. And that this whole book was based around my mother. And that so if she hadn't signed yes. the document, there would have been no book in the UK. So, uh, but my uh, my sisters, I knew that they were not going to sign the documents because there's unflattering stuff about my older sister in that book. It's all true, yeah, yeah. but it's unflattering. So if somebody writes a book where you're in the book and even though what they've written is true, but unflattering and you've got a chance to stop that book, you're going to stop that book. Of course, yeah. So they don't know that there's a different wow. US copy. They just think that that book that they've got I... in the UK is the book. Um, that's amazing. Okay, what is your personal favorite story from the book? Ooh, God, I, I know it's few. really hard. I got a few. Um, I mean, the story of me going to Paris. Yes. So basically, my mom was super overprotective, never let us go anywhere, never let us go on school trips. We never went anywhere because she was terrified of us dying, drowning, being eaten by rats, whatever. <laughs> and... Um, so she never let us go. And I was 17, studying for French advanced level. And uh, I wanted to immerse myself in the culture and go to France and actually speak French with French people. And uh, the government at the time was doing a, a sponsorship thing where they were sending students abroad to study. They paid for everything, travel, accommodation, everything. And you'd go abroad and you travel. Uh, and and you, you'd immerse yourself in the culture. And I knew that my mother was not going to let me go on a trip to a, abroad by myself. Yeah. She wouldn't even get me let me go on a trip to the Tower of London, which was three <laughs> miles, less than three miles from where we lived. So I had to come up with a dastardly plan so my plan, I told my mother that to for the advanced level in French, I have to go to France or else I fail the exam. And it was a school trip. I told her it was a school trip that all the students were going. And if I didn't f- pass this exam, I wouldn't be able to get into college. And my mum said, you've got to go to college. You've got to become a doctor. So I was like, well, if I don't pass this exam, that brings down the averages of the rest of my subjects and I don't get to go to college and I don't become a doctor. So I have to go to France on this school trip. Uh, and so she was like, fine. And I was like, and look, it's all paid for. The government and the school have paid for everything. You don't have to (laughs) 
shell, a penny out of your pocket. And I'm not going on my own. I'm going with the school. The teachers are coming. All the students are coming. And it's, it's, a, it's a girl's school I was going to at the time. And I'm, we're, we're staying in a girl's dormitory. And I will be chaperoned 24-7. So she was like, okay, fine. And so she signed the document to let me go. The second time you've gotten your mother to sign a document. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I get my mom to sign documents. So she signed the document to let me go to give me permission to go. Now, on the day of travel, I'm like, I'm going to France by myself. My mother doesn't know this and she's going to want to come and see me off at the station. So I called a bunch of my school friends and friends and I was like, listen, you need to meet me at Victoria Station with suitcases to make it look like we're all going on a school trip together. I love your friends. (laughs) Otherwise, I will not be able to go on this school trip. So my friends, knowing what my mum was like, they turned, God love them, they all turned up with empty suitcases <laughs> at Victoria Station. We all met and my mum came to see me off. And there was all these girls with suitcases going, oh yeah, uh, the teachers are meeting us. Uh, the teachers are already there in France setting up the dormitory where they're going to pick us up at the station when we arrive in France. We're all going together. So my mum was like, bye, see you, have a good trip. And all of us got on the train and then all my friends hugged me goodbye and got off at the next stop with their suitcases and went home. And I went off to France by myself for a month and traveled. I love that story. (laughs) I love that that's your favorite one. (laughs) Um, Okay, next question. How did you pick your memoir title? Did you almost, I mean, I know what the title means, but did you almost choose a different title and was it a hard process in picking? Yeah, picking the the, the title of the book was definitely, I didn't know what I was gonna call it. uh, the working title the whole time I was I was writing it was Laughing to America. Because, <laughs> I, I, you know, because I'm, it's yeah. a play on the Eddie Murphy coming to America. I'm a comedian, yes. so Laughing to America. And, yeah, and originally when I wrote the, the proposal for the book, the book was going to cover my entire life. So yeah. it was going to be my life before coming to America and then coming to America and then the journey in America up to present day. But once I started writing the book, my story of my childhood and my life up to America was so rich. I got up to like page 200. I was like, this is supposed to be a 300 or around that size book. <laughs> and I haven't even got out of my teenage years yet. So I called the yeah. publisher and I was like, I'm going to end the book on the, at the point of me getting on a plane to go to America because yes. the, my previous life is so rich. And it also leaves the door open for a second book if it does well. Exactly. So I was like, well, I can't call the book Laughing to America anymore. That would probably be the next book if there's a next book. So I was like, i got to think of a title. And I couldn't think of anything for a long time. And then I happened to be writing the chapter about my left-handedness and how, you know, my mum would throw away a whole pot of food if she walked into the kitchen and caught me. Uh, cooking with my left hand, and the, 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 the and I was talking to Nina, and I was talking to my my neighbour who lived in the next house, and we she's come over to the rooftop and we'd hang out and eat dinner and stuff, and I was like, yeah, I'm left-handed, so maybe I'll do something, le- you know, and left-handed people are awkward and clumsy, and we we kind of navigate through the world a little bit differently because everything is against us, you know, ninety percent of the world. Yeah. So I was like, I'm trying to think of a title that encompasses that, but not left-handed, because left-handed isn't a great title for a book. And uh, we are talking, and I was like, but, you know, the, the English word for left-handed is cack-handed. So, and then my neighbour, Christine and Nina, were, were like, but that's it. That's it. Ah! Cack-handed. And I was like, you think so? And they're like, it's a great, it sounds cool. And yeah. I didn't know what it was, and it's, it, it's cool. And I was like, 
Trackhanded it is. And it came from that one conversation. How cool. What a great story. I was wondering that how you landed on that. And it is a great title. And the cover of the book is cool as fuck, too. But yeah, I just wanted the, the cover to look cool. I wanted it to be quintessential me, quintessential Gina, which is me, you know, bag jeans, drop cut pants, a hoodie, boots. But I wanted it to be bright and I wanted it to catch her eye so people go, oh, what's that? That looks yeah. interesting. So that's what I wanted to do. Was the process of writing the book, did it internally or externally change your life? Internally, yes. Um, it was very cathartic, especially when I was writing the darker stories, like about my stepfather or my suicide attempt when I was 16, which I've turned into a stand-up routine, by the way. Yes! Yeah, I was telling the story on, I was <gasps> on um, Questlove's podcast, and I was telling, I think it was Questlove's podcast, I was telling the story of my suicide attempt. And I, obviously I inject the humour into the story because it was, if, you know, if you, you read the chapter, you know, I, I took these pills and I, I'm expecting to die and float away and end up in the Brady Bunch family. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, because I'm thinking, I'm, we, I believe strongly in reincarnation, so I'm like, I'm going to die. And then go end up in a nice white family on television. It's going to be great. And I took these pills. <laughs> and you know, when you watch movies and people take pills, they go to sleep and away they go. And I took these pills and t- half an hour later, I'm like, when the fuck are these pills going to kick in? I'm going to have to just fake it till I make it, you know? So I faked being unconscious. And when the paramedics came to get me, I had to fake being unconscious. And the paramedics are whispering <laughs> in my ear again, look, love, we know you took aspirins. We know that you're not unconscious. Look, let's just have a cup of tea and talk about it. But I am method <laughs> I am method at this point. I'm like, nope, I am, I am unconscious. I'm going to fake it till I make it. So that's the story of my suicide attempt when I was 16. So I'm telling this story and people are laughing their asses off because it's it's dark, but it's also very funny. That story was very cathartic when I was telling the story because I'd forgotten about it, to be honest. I remember I was talking to my, yeah. brother, to my younger brother, Edwin, because he's my confidant, you know, and I said, uh, and he goes, are you going to tell them about your suicide in a- attempt? And I was like, holy fuck, I'd forgotten about that. Wow. Also, how powerful to have forgotten about that. Like, that's fucking cool, too, you know? So that was very cathartic. So that kind of, writing those chapters, uh, especially writing the chapter about my stepfather, I didn't realise I'd been holding onto that animosity and hatred since then. I didn't know, because I'd moved on and I'm having a great life. But as I was writing it, the anger poured out of me. I still felt the same fury and anger and hatred towards him. And it came out of me as I was writing the book and it was very cathartic. And now I feel, wow. I feel cleansed. I feel cleansed by it. So it's definitely changed. And then writing the book, you know, uh, as a youngster, when my mum wouldn't let me go anywhere or do anything, you know, I did good. I went through phases of absolutely despising my mother because I'd be like, you don't let me go anywhere. You don't let me do anything. You know, I hate you. Um, but then writing the book, and writing what she'd gone through, I, you know, it made me understand her even more and understand what, where that fear came from and why she was the way she was. So, yeah, yeah. it's definitely changed the way I look at my upbringing. I mean, as even though I went through all these things, I still, in a funny way, had a reasonably happy childhood. Even though I had an abusive stepfather, a crazy overprotective mum, horrible school life, I still came out of it quite a happy person, weirdly enough, despite all of that. And I think... And a comedian, a comedian to boot. (laughs) 
But I think a lot of it was because I had my two brothers who were close in age. So we were our little gang. So whenever, you know, yeah. we suffered for all these things together. So we had each other. So I think writing that book and looking back at that, I go, this is why I've come out reasonably normal person, despite the horrible things that happened wow. to me along the way. It's because me and my brothers had each other, that we, we held each other down. So, yeah. Wow, that's really fucking touching. <laughs> <laughs> that's really touching. Oh, my gosh. Gina, you are just the fucking best. I'm so glad. <laughs> Nate set us up on this. Everybody, go buy Cat Candid. It's, I, I want to, like, hold it up in the Zoom. They can't see this, but it's so fucking good and cool. And, Thank you. And I love it. And you are are wonderful. And you, did you do an audio version of this book? Absolutely. Oh, okay, because yeah. after talking to you, I'm like, oh, I wish I had done the audio version. Okay, tell us, uh, for anyone who doesn't already follow you on Instagram and Twitter, what's your website? What's your Facebook handle? What's, give us all the handles. I am very easy to follow because I keep it very simple. So my website is GinaYashaway.com. So I suggest you go there, join my mailing list because I'm always giving out free stuff. I send out free copies of books. Instagram, G- at GinaYashaway. I keep it simple. Uh, Twitter, at GinaYashaway. Facebook, yes. <laughs> Gina Yashway. Just type my name in and I'll come straight up. My fan page, I think the forward, the Facebook forward slash for my fan page on Facebook is Gina is funny. So if you go Facebook forward slash Gina is funny, it'll take you to my fan page. But everything else is just at Gina Yashway. I'm easy to find people. I love it. I love it. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for writing this book. And um, everyone go buy it and follow Gina. Thank you so much, Chelsea. Bye. That is all for this week's episode. But before you go, don't forget to sign up on Patreon to support the podcast and keep the episodes coming like normal. It is patreon.com slash Chelsea It's like Patron, but it has an E in it, Patreon. And it is also linked in the show notes. And when you go to Patreon, you're going to see there's so many perks coming, like a bonus episode this month, an extra book, but it's only going to be for cookie patrons. But other episodes headed your way. I'm talking to my friend, Amber Ruffin, about her book with her sister, Lacey. And we already recorded it. It's such a fun episode. That is coming out in January. Also, the wildest book, I wasn't expecting it, Reba McIntyre. Uh, It was such a fun episode that is also headed your way in January. And if you become a patron, another bonus episode too. I'm always on Instagram at Chelsea Devantes. And a big thank you to our producers here at Stitcher, Corinne Wallace, so amazing. Marcus Hom, our episode engineer, Daisy Rosario, the person who picked up our podcast to begin with. We love them all. And we're saying goodbye this month. So um, you guys, how many things of eggnog do you think I've had this week? I'll tell you right now, and then I'm going to get off the podcast. I've had a glass of eggnog every day. (laughs) Bye.